I trust you all well. Amen. This is our um, final night, our final session of this life cre uh, recreation workshop. And like I said to you yesterday, I can only hope that you utilize these truths that we've been sharing with you over these last seven sessions. And I believe that should you take the decisive action to practice these systems and principles shared with you that they would be untenable, undeniable results. You know, there's a law in life called the law of cause and effect. That means that for every effect, there must be a cause. And that's how the law of results work. Results are a consequence of causes. In other words, the lack of results in a desired area can be traced to the lack of corresponding causes. And this means that there is no accident in life. So there's a, a reason behind every effect. So no one in life is without an excuse. No one in life can say, I don't know why ABC results have not occurred in my life. If you're broke, if you're sick, if you're empty and afflicted, there is a cause behind that experience, behind that effect. This is something that you must know. This is something that you must understand. Because failure to understand the relationship between the law of cause and effect is really failure to take accountability and responsibility for your life. It's trying to deflect responsibility to forces that are beyond your control. Whereas it's not the case. You are 100% responsible for what happens in your life. So you, you may not necessarily be the cause 
of certain effects that take place but you are responsible for your life there is no question about that so it's important that you understand that the law of results require that there be a cause behind the occurrence of those results so if you want to take yourself to a certain level financially that is the effect to get there you require a cause so you there are certain skills events circumstances that must work hand in hand to in order for you to realize the effect which is an increase in your financial stature now if that is not the case there is still a cause for why you may be operating from a certain level in life so the 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 dilemma or really the issue that we find in society and especially this this happens more and more among among poor people disadvantaged people um people that so society uh, society has labeled them as, as as being you know substandard the problem is that they always attribute the effects of their lives to causes that have nothing to do with them and 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 that is and that is that is a major problem because as long as you do not take full accountability for your life for the effects of your life you will never deal with the causes therefore you will never get to a place in life where you want to you can't how are you how are you going to get there because the law of cause and effect requires that there be a cause for every every effect that 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 the that, that the chain effect the ripple effects that take place in your life are caused are preempted by uh uh, 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 preceding circumstances, situations, actions, and decisions. So, there, there is a direct cause for your current state of experience in life. Now, you ask, but then, what if, like for instance, for instance, It's not your fault that you grew up poor. If if you did, right? If is is not your fault that you you were you you had poor parents. That is not your fault. Right? But then it is your fault after you have come into the age of accountability that you remain poor that you remain disadvantaged because now you can do something about it you see that you can do something about it 
So now the effect of of poverty is no longer attributed to your parents. Is no longer attributed to your parentage. Even though you grew up under those circumstances. But because now you at an age where you can do something about it, if it remains, if the effect remains in your life, the causes are no longer sourced from your parentage. They are sourced from you. And that's why really to be successful in life, the one thing that you must learn to do is responsibility. In other words, you've got to look at your life. You've got to look at all the things in your life and say, you know what? This might not have been caused by me. This might not have been caused by me. This might have not been my fault, but I'm responsible for everything that happens in my life. And that's where really maturity begins. Where you say, all right, that and that is not my fault, but it affects me. And because I do not enjoy or want the effects of this reality to continue in my life, I must take a responsibility to change the causes. To change the causes in order for me to experience new effects in life, new reality in life. So nothing changes until responsibility is adopted. Hence, I told you, nobody is coming to save you. I'm not talking matters of salvation. I'm talking in general, in that situation, in that circumstance. If you're waiting for a savior, or if you're waiting, nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. And you've got to realize that. That in life, there comes a certain point, there comes a certain time where the burdens of the outcomes of your life are laid on you. They are laid on you. In other words, necessity is laid upon you to do something about your life. And the great thing is that as long as these laws exist, you can do something about it. As long as these laws exist, you can change your life to fit the design of your desires. You can. You you are never disadvantaged enough to be incapable of altering the state of your life. Because the, 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 the outcome really comes from you. The choice emanates from you. The actions emanate from you. 
Therefore, you are the sole, you have sole responsibility to do something about your life. And this is something people don't understand, right? Because we, we grew up in, in an inter or in an independent environment, right? When you were born, your parents were responsible for you. You were dependent on them, right? You, you were dependent on them for food. You were dependent on them for clothing. You were dependent on them for shelter. And, 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 and because that has happened throughout your early years, there's a certain mindset that formulated within you. That every time you, you are in a, in a structure where you are subservient, that the one that is head in that structure becomes responsible for you. And most of the time you can see it, especially with this generation, how the generation has become so independent on their parents. And that's not to say that they should not, but that their dependency has become toxic. To the point that if their parent were to die today, it will be the end of them. Why? Because their parents did not prepare them for an independent life without them. There's a reason why when a child is born, the umbilical cord is cut. And that's to show you that at some point in life, you've got to learn separation for the purpose of responsibility. You've got to learn it with your parents and understand that they will not always be there to provide for you. And really, they should not always be there to provide for you. And that there comes a point in time where you have to be separate for the purpose of learning responsibility. You are an independent, a peculiar, unique being. And it's essential that you understand that at some point in your life, you're going to have to be responsible for your life. For your life. And the sooner, the sooner you reach that mental position, the better for you. The better for you. The, the, the better because you, you will get to understand how to make choices that are in the interests of your well-being. The, the, the sooner you learn that, the better. But the longer it takes, the more misconstrued your perceptions will be about life. The longer your, 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 the longer you will delay your growth rate, your maturity rate in, in living life. 
suppose, suppose some of you are at an age now where the only pain you will feel from your parents' death is really emotional than it is financial. But suppose you are in a position where all you know about finances stems from your parents. Suppose your parents die. What becomes of you? What then is the effect that will be produced from that cause, the death? You will be devastated, right? Because life, life won't say, now nah, I'll take care of you. No, life don't work that way. Life, life is, is under the governance and the administration of God. So life will continue to flow. But the effects from the cause of your parents' death will be, will be felt by you. Right? It will be felt by you. And you will feel like your parents owed you something. Yet they, did, they never owed you anything. And that's why it's so important that you learn that the life that God has given you is your responsibility. It's your responsibility to build it with the principles, with the truths, with the values given us and the tools given us by the Father. Hallelujah. It's vital. Suppose you had a wife or husband who took care of everything. What happens if they die? What, what happens to the mother and the children if they die? Or what happens if that man begins to use his position to oppress you? Use his position to f commit adultery. Find someone else. Because that happens, right? Because that dynamic happens, right? When the man feels like he has more money or when the woman feels like she has more money, Right? She brings more to the table than the other party. Then that gives them, they feel like it gives them now the rights to go beyond the values and morals of the marriage. And you find them start having other affairs and things like that. It's a dynamic. Right? Or, or even worse, what happens if they die? Or what happens if they're in a position where they cannot, where something happens physically? That's why you, you've, got, you've got to develop a mindset 
a bulletproof mindset that will enable you to thrive in any and every condition you will face in your life. Because you cannot tell tomorrow. That means you, you build a mindset, a responsible mindset to thrive under all conditions, under all circumstances. You'll be able to thrive. Now that's what we call maturity in life. But when now, under certain circumstances, you can survive. Under certain seasons of life, you can, you can push through, you can thrive. What then becomes of you? Now you have to be dependent on some system, dependent on something. The Bible says, cursed is the man who trusts in the arm of flesh. So that means you've got to be built. Are you listening to me? Man or woman. You've got to be built to thrive in any environment. Because the only certainties that life guarantees you, the only certainties that life guarantees you are those you already have and know. But beyond that, preparation is essential. Is essential. What does Paul say? What does Paul say to us? What does he say? He said, those who are married, let them live like they're not married. Why would he say such a thing? In other words, he's saying, be fit and prepared to live under all conditions. Because the conditions of life change. You must understand this. You must understand this. The conditions, the circumstances, the seasons of life change. And if you're only prepared for that current season, you are in danger. You are in danger. Because at any moment in time, you can move into a season that requires a different set of operation. And if you don't know that, if you don't have the how-to, you'll begin seeing yourself shrivel like the autumn leaves falling off the tree. Why? Because you are not built for all seasons. Yet God wants you to be built for all seasons. God God wants you to be fit for all seasons. Yes. Yes. And you cannot, you will not learn the requirements necessary to thrive in all seasons of life until you learn responsibility until you learn responsibility you will not do you know do you know do you know 
if if a woman decides that they don't want work, work, they don't want school, they don't want they don't want anything, right? If they decide they don't want any of those things, the system will cater for them. Do you do do you know that? That the system somehow, somewhere will help them. But if a man, a man can't decide that he doesn't want to work. A man can't decide. A man every day has to do this is what make this is what makes a real man. Is that he has to wake up every single day and do every day what he doesn't want. And he must do it. That's what responsibility is. It's waking up every single day, doing things, things that you don't want, you don't want to do, but you must wake up and do it. Getting things done. You see, that is impossible that is impossible if you do not rise. If you do not rise to the demands of responsibility. It's, imp it's, it's, imp it's impossible. You can't grow without responsibility. You can't grow. Development, growth, maturity requires responsibility. That means you must look at your life and say, I'm responsible. I'm responsible. I am the cause behind every effect. I am the cause behind, behind every effect. I'm the cause. And that's where you, you begin to receive the help of God. The wisdom of God. When you learn and understand that life requires you. You see, you, you have you cannot be the same person for the life you want to live. As long as you are the same person, you will never live in the life that you desire. Because the only reason why you are not living that life is because you have not yet become the person for that life. I'm not sure if you're hearing what I'm saying to you. But what I'm saying to you is so profound. In other words, the, the, the life you want to live is the effect. But you need to be the cause by becoming that person. Because, because you, you only embody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start teaching you now. You only embody a space that you, you, you have assimilated, you have become. You only embody a life that you have become the person for, that you have built the character for. That's why a person can win the lottery today, but if they have not yet become or attained the character for that level of life, for that level of financial uh, uh, possession, it will all come crumbling down. It will either dissipate or it will kill them. It will destroy them.
because you you must become do you understand that you must become you must become before they can be the results of the experience you must become in mindset indeed in word you must become it And that's what that's one of the things that I I, I, I taught you. I was t- I was trying to I was I was trying to teach you yesterday. That your words you, your words your you will only you will land where your words take you. You will never leave or rise above your words, your confession. They are the ceiling of your life. A curse causeless does not come. There is a cause behind every effect. Hallelujah. There is a cause behind every effect. And and instead of deflecting, start discovering, inquiring why. Why? Why? And when you start asking the right questions, the right answers will begin coming. Remember, growth is a function of responsibility. The effects are functions of causes. Remember that. Always remember that. And that you are 100% responsible for the effects in your life irrespective of whether or not indirect you you are indirectly uh, uh, behind the causes it doesn't matter you you must take responsibility because if you don't things will fester life will remain the same or become worse idle water stink Idle waters stink. Waters that do not move stink. You know that. You know that. You you know that. So refute idleness. Refute it. Reject it. Always be looking to move forward. Always be looking to move ahead in your life. Always. When, when, when you're not making progress, when you're not moving ahead, question it. Listen, listen, listen. Life is too tough. Life is too harsh. Life is too hard for you to keep earning the same salary every year. For you to keep having the same income every year. Life is too expensive for that all. Maybe you're still being fed by your parents. But life is too expensive for you to, to, to not change financially. To not change mentally. Yes, life is too hard. That's why I read. I read. 
because I know the progressive nature of life and life waits for no man. It waits. Those who are unable to adapt or keep abreast will suffer, will be at the mercy of those who learn. Yes, if you read, if you read Proverbs chapter 25 or 24, the Bible says, through wisdom and houses built by understanding it is established. Through knowledge, in, in the true living translation, it says, by keeping abreast with the facts of the time, riches are brought in. Yeah. If you are if you are a car mechanic in the last 20 years and all you knew to do is fix, fix carburetors and stuff, you're out of business by now. Because the technology has changed. And then you wonder, what has happened? No, what has happened is that life has moved on. You didn't move on. Life has progressed. You didn't progress. Progression, progression, in life that that is progression is a sign of life it's a sign of vitality hallelujah praise god turn your bibles to the book of proverbs chapter 9 proverbs glory to god chapter 9 Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Proverbs chapter, chapter 9 verse 1. I'm going to read verse 1 only, all right? It says, Wisdom has built her house. She has digged out her seven pillars. Wisdom has a house. Wisdom has built a house. The house of wisdom is already built. And you may ask, where is, what is the house of wisdom? I'll tell you, it is the universe. The collective name for the heavens and the earth and wisdom has built her house so wisdom lives in the universe the mansion of wisdom is the entirety of the universe and within that universe he says there are seven pillars upon which the universe hangs. Those seven pillars can be described in the form of dimensions. And these seven pillars really hold the infrastructure of the universe together. 
And when we begin studying these seven pillars, we begin to enter into the illumination, the enlightenment of wisdom. It is said that we live in a three-dimensional world. So the first three dimensions we already interact with because the earth in and of itself is, is a third-dimensional organism. What is a dimension? A dimension comprises of the measurements of depth and height and width. So when we, when we talk about a three-dimensional subject or object or structure, we are referring to a structure that is contained within a physical space. And to the human eyes, a physical space is that which has height, length and breadth and depth. So within the universe, within the house of wisdom, there is a physical space which comprises of three dimensions. Within those three dimensions, we, we have, we have non-observable subjects, organisms that exist, where we have your germs, your bacteria, your microbes, your atoms, your subatomic structures that exist, right? That you cannot really physically see with your own eyes until you bring it under certain microscopic lights that have an effect on you in this third dimensional space. That's the reason why you get sick. That's the reason why you, you get infections and all those things is because of these organisms that exist in, in one-dimensional and two-dimensional spaces. They exist within the th third three-dimension, but because the third dimension is imposed over these other uh, two dimensions, you, you can't see them. So you, you, you are sitting on a chair that occupies physical space. It is held by structures that are perceivable and others that are non-perceivable. So no one can say to you that that chair is not real. No one can say to you that the walls around you are not real. No one can say to you that the, the computer in front of you is not real. It's real because it occupies space it occupies physical space the third dimension is where physical objects and structures live and interact wisdom has built a house now things in the first in the second in the third dimension have certain effects on us because we exist within this third dimensional space this physical space but the word of god gives us light on the existence of higher dimensions which have a, a direct influence and impact 
on this physical space. So if there is a third dimension, there is a fourth dimension. If there is a fourth dimension of reality, there is a sixth dimension of reality. If there is a sixth dimension of reality, as stated in the Bible, there's also a seventh dimension of reality. And the highest dimension of reality is wisdom. Followed by knowledge. Followed by love. Followed by faith. Faith is the lowest dimension in the spirit world. It is the gateway dimension to reality. So if you want to understand reality in its substract form, you need faith. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So faith is the first dimension in the spirit world but it is the fourth dimension in the universe. Scientists, along with uh, the most well-renowned uh, Einstein, said that the fourth dimension was time. But they have not yet been exposed to faith. Because once you understand what faith is, you will realize that faith is greater than time. Number two, faith can change time. Number three, faith can alter the structures and objects which are located in physical space. This is how God changed and restructured the earth. In Genesis chapter 1, he used the dimension of faith. So he operated from the dimension of faith to effect changes in the third dimensional world. We see this very clearly in Genesis chapter 1 verse 2 and the Bible says, And the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the waters. In other words, the Spirit incubated the third dimensional world. He incubated it. Why? For the purpose of altering it. So when you understand the laws that govern the universe, you begin to understand the role of faith in restructuring, recreating your life that it is essential. It is indispensable for anybody who wants to restructure and rechange your life because the only thing that can change and rearrange third dimensional world of physical space is the fourth dimension. Is faith. Because the particles of the third dimension are made up of the particles of the fourth dimension. I, I, I'll show it to you right now in the Bible. I want, I want us to read this. Let's read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. 
And this is really where the law, the laws of the mind operate. Because thoughts, thoughts are structures, are objects, are things that occupy spiritual space, which have the same density as subjects and structure, structures that occupy physical space. I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example, right? I'll, I'll give you a clear example. Your phone has weight, right? It has weight, it has form, right? It has depth, depth it has width. You can engage with it. Now, if you think or imagine a phone with your mind, that phone in your mind carries the same weight, the same depth, the same height as this phone here. Because material things are structures and objects contained within this third dimensional world. Thoughts are the structures and things that are contained within the fourth dimensional world. So they carry the same value as a phone would. So the phone in your mind carries the same value as the phone in your hand. The only difference is that those that are, are locked in this third dimensional world are unable to relate with what you are relating with. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, when the, he said the spirit... The spirit whom the world does not know, nor sees, but you know him. You know him. He's perceptible to you, but to the world, he's not perceptible. Why? Because they are governed by their senses. But he says, you know him because he is with you and shall be in you. So to the world, the spirit of God does not is not real the spirit of god does not exist but to you he is real he's he's a person but to the world to someone else who is in the world the spirit of god what's the spirit of god the spirit of god what is that why because then they have not they are not alive to the fourth dimension and why dimensions they're still locked down in this three-dimensional world. But to you, the, the spirit, the spirit is real. I can't convince you now that the spirit is not real. But have you seen the spirit in the third-dimensional world? Have you related with the spirit of God in, the th in, physical, in physical space? Have you? No. No. You haven't related to the Spirit of God in this third dimensional world as you would your phone, as you would your, your bed, or as you would your car. You have not. But the Spirit of God is as real, if not more real to you, than those things. Why is that? That means you, 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 you are active in the fourth dimension. A, a being that relates to you from the fourth dimension can affect your decisions in this world. He can say, no, go this way. 
in the third dimension. He can say, go this way, do this in the third dimension world. But he, he is not in the third dimension. Yet he's affecting your experience in the third dimension. That's why spirits are more powerful than nature. Because of their, their proclivity to altering the third dimension, physical space. Spirits have a peculiar effect on, on, on physical space. And that's why if, if you are yielded to the spirit of God enough, you may find what they call supernatural things begin taking place in what, why is it called supernatural things? It's because it, it is happening by the laws that are outside the third dimension. And that's what Jesus used to calm the sea. He used the laws of the fourth dimension. That's why he was such an enigma to mankind. Let's read. Let, I want to. I, I want to read you um, Hebrews chapter four, Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, verse three. Am I helping you? Am I helping you? It says, "By faith we understand." By faith, do you see that? By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So, words are instrumental in the framing of physical space. So, words, words are responsible for framing, framing three-dimensional structures. Words. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So words create frames which reality occupies. Remember when I was telling you about frames of reality, how to capture frames of reality through imagination? Now words are responsible for framing the worlds. The word there for worlds is the Greek word aeon. It refers to environments in time. It refers to ages and dispensations. So he says the, 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 the universe, the, the earth, let's use, let's use the world, the earth, the administration of the ages, the administration, the dispensation of the times were brought to be by the word of God. The aeon, the, the destiny of civilization were brought to be, the generations were framed by the word of God. In other words, in other words, every generation from creation till today had been framed by the word of God. In other words, the generations exist to fulfill a particular framing from the word of God. So the word gives a generation a frame that in this generation, this is what is supposed to happen. 
and it will happen. It will not deviate an iota. It will happen. That's why the Bible says in the, in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he sent his son. That means there was an allotted or an allocated generation or dispensational age in which the son of God was to be manifest on this plane. What framed that was the word of God. So the word can frame your aeon, can frame the path of your life, the path of your destiny, the administrative uh, 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 design, the administrative parts of your life, things that should happen, things that must happen, things that will happen. He says the word frames it. Then he goes a step deeper to give us this understanding, to, to let us know that there are higher dimensions than the third dimensional world, that all you see is not all there is, that all you interact with here is not all there is. He then, he then says, so that the things which are seen the things which are located in physical space, the things which are seen, things in the third dimensional world were not made of things which are visible. So third dimensional reality does not come from third dimensional causes. It comes from a fourth dimensional reality. So the effect that take place in this three dimensional world are caused by the fourth dimension. So the things which are seen, so what you see, its cause comes from the unseen. Are you following? Are you following? You hear words, but you don't see them. I'm talking to you now, you are hearing me, but you don't see what I'm, you don't see words, right? You don't see the words that are talking to you. But the words that are talking to you are the unseen materiality that is responsible for the scene. Now, now let's, let's look at this practically. Let's, let's observe, let's observe a scripture that we looked at yesterday in Mark chapter 11 verse 4 no, no not verse 4 sorry Mark chapter 11 verse 20 you will understand why the majority of this workshop we dealt with the unseen. We dealt with your mind. We dealt with your heart. We dealt with your subconscious. We dealt with your words. We dealt with your, your, your mouth. We dealt with your visualizations. We dealt with your imaginations. There's a reason why, because that is really the foundation of the third dimension. Let's read, let's read chapter 11, verse 20. Now, in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. 
And Peter remembering said to him, Rabbi, look, the fig tree which you cursed has withered away. So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For shortly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Now, whoever says to this mountain, whoever says to this mountain. Now, let's look at, let's look at how to engage the third dimensional world. How to engage it. How Jesus says to engage structures that occupy physical space, that occupy physical territory. Those are third dimensional objects. Jesus says, number one, have faith in God. Possess fourth dimensional access. Have faith in God. Because what faith in God allows you is access to the fourth dimension. The causal, the parent. You see, the fourth dimension is the parent to the physical world. So it allows you access to, 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 to the headquarters of this physical world. Because if you are there, you can now begin to utilize the protocols to superimpose on that structure that is in your way, that is physical that you see. So he says, have faith in God. In other words, have a link to the fourth dimension. Like, have a link to supernatural ability. Because I shortly I say to you, whoever, whoever says, whoever says, hallelujah, who, whoever says, uh, let's, let's use English, whoever speaks, whoever speaks, mm, whoever speaks to this mountain, hey, so Jesus Jesus is implying that third dimensional objects structures can be spoken to that they have ears that the mountains have ears the trees have ears every Everything that is occupied or that occupies physical space, he says, has intelligence. But he says, the only time that their intelligence in hearing and obeying you will work is if you have, if, if you have what? Op operating or functionality from the fourth dimension. Have faith in God. So that you can speak to this mountain. In other words, the mountain will not listen to you unless you have access to 
fourth dimensional authorization. So the mount the mountain listens to to authorized commands, instructions only from from the fourth dimension. So it's created that it will not obey anything in the in the third dimension. Anything in the third dimension is not obliged to obey. But if it begins to hear a fourth dimensional authority, all of a sudden it, it begins to listen. Why? Because it, it is responding to its source. The fourth dimension created the third dimension. So he says, have faith in God. Have faith. Possess it. Possess faith. Possess faith in God. In other words, before you talk to the mountain, make sure that you have extreme confidence in God. Have faith in God. That means in your mind, you know, you know this mountain can, can move. Why? It, it, is, it is a structure created by God. This problem can change. Why? You have faith in God. Now, this is, this is remarkable because Jesus does not say have faith in God's ability. He says have faith in who God is. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. So, having faith in God connects you to all the possibilities and potentials afforded in the fourth dimension. For assuredly I say to you, whoever speaks to this mountain, whoever speaks to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. Remember, I said we said the heart is not the spirit. The heart is more related to the subconscious than anything. And does not doubt in his heart. Not in his mind, in his heart. Remember, the mind, the, the mind has the surface level, which is the conscious level, right? So that means you can look at a mountain and consciously you can be looking at how big it is and how mighty it is and be like, oh, can this thing move? But because you have programmed possibility into your subconscious, <laughs> you can bypass the activity of the conscious mind and enter into the program state of that subconscious level and, and say, be thou cast into that's why that's why consciously you can speak i don't have money right you can speak consciously because you can't see it but then you can tap into your your heart programming because that's where that's where life issues from from the heart you can tap into that and begin to release the possibilities so he says Whoever speaks to this mountain, having faith in God, having faith in God, 
be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his CPU, does not doubt in his heart, but, but believes. Hey, but, but believes. Do you understand that? But believes. But believes. Ay, ay, ay. Let me simplify belief, okay? Let me simplify belief. He says, but be, to believe means to think something to be true. That's what to believe means. It has relatability of some sort to deception. <laughs> when you believe, you, you've, you've accepted that nah, it's true. Peter said, whom having you have, having not seen, you believe. You, you've never seen Jesus. Yet you believe, you, you believe, you, you, you've accepted him as a reality. You've never seen him once, but you have accepted him and you believe him to be true. You think him to be true. Your whole life is regulated around him. <laughs> You've never seen him. You've never seen him, not once, but you believe. That's the simplest form. That's the simplest meaning of belief. To, be, to think something to be true. That means, he says, who, but believes that the things which he speaks will be done. In other words, when you're saying be removed and be cast into the sea, what is going through your mind, what is going through your heart is that this thing will be done. <laughs> he says, that's all you need for fourth dimensional power to effect your third dimensional experience. You, you need to believe that what you are saying is true. When I tell you I don't have money, I don't believe in what I'm saying. <laughs> Therefore, it cannot be made a reality because I'm not, I don't believe in it. My belief is that I'm wealthy. I believe it. But there are some of you who when you say you don't have money, you believe it. Like you, you can stake everything on it. I don't have it. I'm sick. Can't you see I'm sick? Can't, can't you see I'm suffering? You believe it so much. You, 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 even when you say it, this one, what they are, they believe in it. So he says that the things, the things that you will have are the things that you say, that you speak, that you believe will be done. Do you, do, do you get that? That's why I trained you about programming the heart. Do you see now? Do you see why? Do you see why I trained you in programming the heart? I, I, I trained you in setting it right? Because Mindset makes believing automatic. 
So you don't think about doing or saying what you believe. It's already an autonomized system. Is it already an autonomized protocol? So he says, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. So the eradication of doubt from the heart, not from the mind, Yes, it's important from the mind, but really the root from the heart. Because once it has its root in your heart, that means everything in your life will be short-circuited. So the eradication of doubt from the heart is essential. And how do you eradicate doubt? How? I told you about the implementation protocols. That's how, that's how you deal with doubt. It's a reprogramming that must happen. You, 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 really, you really now must reprogram yourself to start believing in your words. To start seeing your words as creative tools. To start seeing your thoughts and your mind as creative tools. And you've got to start believing and integrating that into your system, into your heart. Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And out of the heart stems forth life, issues forth life. And here's Jesus saying, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he speaks will be done. But believes that those things which he speaks will be done. But believes that those things which he speaks will be done. He will have what he says. Notice, Jesus didn't say he will have what he does. He doesn't say he will have what he does. He doesn't say he will have what he thinks. He says he will have what he says he believes will be done. That he will have. That means now, my daughter, you can say now, you can, you can say now, you can say now, by 2024 summer, I'm getting married. If you believe, if you believe in what you just said and there was no doubt in your heart when you said it, you will have it. That means right now, you can say by 20... The problem is that you keep saying Agiti. Why is Agiti? Why is Agiti? And you believe it. Vela, Obviously, you believe it. Every time says, the little put it. Hey, I'm not sure anymore. Excited. No, 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 no. 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 If you want to change what is seen... You've got to go into the unseen. Yes. That means you can have anything according to your faith. If your faith is to get married in, 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 in two months, you, you can. That means even if right now, 
but again, that one is danger, right? Because in two months, how many mutei? Ooh, give it some time. <laughs> but but if you have the faith, even if there was nobody at this current moment, in that space of two months, the person will come, the marriage will come. That one is risky though. But if you have faith. <laughs> so that means right now you can say, I'm getting married in 2024. I'm getting married. And you get married. You, 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 you will get married. Years ago, I remember I used to tell my friends in school, by age 26, I'll have my PhD. By 26, I'll have my PhD. And I used to tell them every time we talk and go into discussions and I'll tell them, but I didn't know how. But guess what? At age 26, I had a PhD. <laughs> I was a doctor. Yep. I used to say by age 30, I'll have my first son. I'll have my first, because I, I didn't want to have my, I don't want to have my first child the same time my mother had, had me. Some cyclical uh, patterns, spiritual patterns you want to avoid. <laughs> you want to avoid those kind of patterns. Where your mother heard you at 19, you had your first child at 19, you got to avoid those patterns. So I, I knew it at age 20. And I'd say it. I'd, I'd say all those things. I believed it. You see, at that time, I, I, I wasn't aware that I was exercising this law. But lo and behold, this is the law I was exercising all the time. Because Jesus said, whoever, whoever, Whoever. That means anybody can say it. If, if you believe that what you say will be done by who? Yeah, it don't matter. It, it, it don't matter. Jesus never said by who. He said you believe it will be done. He says you will have what you say. Sometimes we have to just try and try. We have to stop improvising on the scriptures the scriptures say what they mean there it is there scripture, the scriptures say what it means if you take the word if you take God at his word and accept his word as it comes to you and act on it as it is presented to you the changes are inevitable they're inevitable I'm telling you they are inevitable so he says, he says to you, but believes those things. Dude, question is, are you, are you more inclined to believe the negative things you say than the positive things that you should, that you are saying? Maybe that's where the, the, the fault line is. That your heart is engineered to produce negative outcomes because of your own programming. You believe more in negativity than in positivity. Ah. You know, people will fight you over their negative reality, negative perception, 
negative, they'll fight you. They'll fight you tooth and nail. Tooth and nail. Why? There's something wrong in your mind. There's something wrong in your programming. There's something wrong in your programming. Yes, there's something wrong. So what do you do? The implementation protocols. You meditate on the word. If you have problems with doubt, meditate on the word. Because those things must never gain roots in your heart. They must never gain. Once they gain root in your heart, they will disrupt your entire life. They will disrupt your entire life. Yes. Life does not give you a misinterpreted reality. Some of you are shocked at the life you live, at the experiences you live. You're like, we rahalang our fellow back. No, 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 no. Sir, we rahalang. We relay when. Because there are no misinterpretations in life. You have what you say. Better yet, you have what you believe will be done that you say. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So now begin begin observing your belief systems. Be, be, observe when you speak what you say observe it when you speak about your life what you say observe it you will realize and and take inventory take inventory how much negativity you say that you believe how much positive affirmations you say that you believe right now if i say say you have money <laughs> or say you are healthy and then you are sick at the moment right you probably say it but you won't believe it because what's interrupting that belief is the experience of that sickness so there's an interruption that's blocking if if you can get beyond that interruption and believe that you are healed in the midst of that interruption I, I tell you the truth. What Jesus said will happen, will happen. You will have whatever you say. You will have whatever you say. And notice what he says. He says, speaks to this mountain. Anything physical that is affecting you. And Jesus wasn't saying the mountain was a problem. Jesus was just was just trying to highlight faith. I, I mean, a uh, uh, faith. You know how we've taken this and been like, what is your mountain? Yeah, it's fine. It's good. It's a good preaching. But, but then Jesus was highlighting the, the importance of faith and your words. 
and we just happened to be a mountain there and he used it as an, an, as an example. Hallelujah. Praise God. So the life you want to experience. Jesus said, I came that you may have life. And this is the thing I told you when we first started this workshop. He said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And it is not a sin to desire an abundant life. It is a sin not to. You have every right based on, you see, don't let anybody tell you otherwise. Don't, don't, let, don't let no preacher, don't let, don't let, don't let people who, you know, preachers, if, if it's in the word of God and it's consistent with the will of God for your life, accept it. Because sometimes it is preachers that has disrupted and destroyed our faith for attaining certain things in life. And that's why there's confusion in Christianity. Should we want prosperity? Should we desire prosperity? Should we not? Should we desire to be rich? Should we not? It, there's a confusion because if you desire to be uh, 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 prosperity, you are part of the prosperity gospel preachers who, 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 who are going to hell. If you don't desire prosperity, now you, you are in the right lane, holiness, whereas that's not true. Because if you read the entirety of the word of God, you will discover that God is pro-abundance. God is pro-wealth. God is, is part of the covenant. Do, do you understand this? Do, do you understand this? Said it is I. It is I that gives you power to get wealth. That I may establish my covenant. The whole covenant of God relies and depends on the wealth of his people. something you must understand and, and you must stop letting preachers try to pollute your mind read your bible the word of God is final not preacher's word the word of God the word of God and no one on earth can convince me otherwise yes why not be holy and prosperous why not be holy and, and wealthy? Why not be holy and healthy? No, why? Why have the other and not the other? That's not the life. That's an incomplete gospel they are teaching you. There is no such thing as a prosperity gospel. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ and it is all inclusive. It includes wealth. It includes peace. It includes righteousness. It includes holiness. It includes my God forgiveness of sins. It includes my God all good things. If that is not the case, then God's heaven should be, should be decorated with mud, decorated with dust and not gold. And not gold. And not gold. Because how can we truly represent God with holiness, righteousness and not wealth? The Bible says that the lamb was slain to receive power, riches, and wealth. That's what the that's the Bible. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? That's the Bible. 
And I don't care how any, any preacher, I interpret the Bible the, the, the way the Bible says it. The Bible says it. I interpret it that way. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that he was rich. But because of you, he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. What, what kind of rich? Who, who, no, rich in faith. No, no. No. Why do you always talk about being rich? Why do you always talk about prosperity? Why do you, listen, I always talk about it because this, this, there's nothing that affects the spirituality of a Christian than finance. There's nothing that affects the spirituality of a Christian. There's nothing like their health. There's a reason why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. That means money can be the root of good. Health, all those things are necessary. I've come that they might have life. Life. Life and all its necessities. So we, we believe the word. So if you, you, you should, about this topic, you should never be confused. You should never be confused that this preacher says so. No, it's fine. Read your Bible. Read your Bible. I accept everything the Bible lays out to me without question. Without question. Because the word of God is the arbiter of my life. Not man, the word. The word is the arbiter of my life. And, and that the word should be the arbiter of your life too. And that's why I said to you when we began that there are things that I'm going to say to you that you might not believe me. You might not accept them. But give me time. Listen. Go do your research. Search the scriptures and you will find that everything that I tell you is nothing but the truth from the scriptures. Because I don't preach to you my opinion. I teach you the word of God. The word of God, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among the sanctified. Yes. And you, you've been given the tools to begin a restructure, a restructuring, sorry, a recreation of your life. From where you are, you can affect your third dimensional reality. Yes. You know, there's so much I wanted to share with you throughout this conference. More especially, how to incorporate in your life the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Because all this without the assistance of the Holy Spirit is vain glory. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. By my spirit. The spirit of God is so confarelesetredictralano is so important to 
the changing, the restructuring of your life. He is so important. He is so important. So important. So important. That he was the first to arrive on the scene in the chaotic environment of Genesis chapter 1, verse 2. He was the first to arrive. Before God ever said anything, the Spirit of God was there. He was there incubating. He was there brooding. And he's always there for every change required in your life. The spirit is always there. He's the miracle element that is necessary. The spirit. And it is unfortunate that we didn't have enough time to cover this subject. But what we will do is that after the Wealth Convention, we will have another workshop, another seminar on the Spirit of God and how you can receive mentorship from the Spirit of God in recreating the life of God's dream for you, in living and building that life. Because this, this is so vital. This is so, this is so vital. You know, people, Christians who have no relationship with the Spirit of God are averse to to, to, to instruction. They are averse to direction. They are averse to guidance. You, you can tell a Christian has no fellowship with the Spirit of God if, if they cannot be instructed or guided or led. They, 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 have, they, have, they have no communion with the Spirit. Because one of the things that happens to you when you come into fellowship with the Spirit of God is that your life becomes orientated. You crave instruction. You crave direction. That every decision that you make is born out of consultation. That you don't act. You don't make decisions. You, you, you don't move without the Spirit's directives. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Only the leadership of the Spirit of God can bring maturity out of sons. Hallelujah. We're going to have a great time with this, with this, with this next workshop. We're going to have a, 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 a we're going to have an amazing time. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to love this. You're going to love this. You're going to love this because you, you need to learn it. You need to learn how, how to be mentored by the Holy Ghost. You need to. But for now, the principles and truths that we have shared are enough to take you somewhere. They, they are enough to take you somewhere. I, I hope, I hope this workshop has ministered blessing to you. I pray it has. 
I pray it has because it, it's from the bowels of my spirit. These are things that God teaches me, that God has taught me throughout the years. You know, we can, the Bible says, out of his fullness have we all received. You can only give what you are full of. And I hope I have given of the fullness of God's ministry in my life. And I hope that this has blessed you. And this has ministered to you. This, this is over eight, I think maybe over 10 hours of teaching. I advise you to go back. No, don't assume I've heard, you've heard. Go back and listen to day one, to day two, to day three, to day four, to day five, to day six. And listen until these truths are integrated into your life. Because they will change your life. They've changed my life. I was telling someone today that, you know, if a person looks at my life from the outside without knowing the inner workings of my life, they wouldn't know that the grace of God has been instrumental and my life turning out the way it has. I have, I have a special life. My life is special. Yes, it is special. It is not ordinary. It is special. Every life of a child of God should be special. And I'll tell you why, it's because of the unseen workings of the spirit, the unseen workings of the word. When you grow up, you learn to walk and work the word of God in your life, to work it, to work it. The word of the Lord, the word of God is alive, is quick and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, even, even, even able to pierce a division of soul and spirit. The word, the word is, is alive. The word is active. You can lay your whole life. You can bank your whole life. Invest your whole life on the word. And I assure you that investment will never flop. It will never fail. And I always tell you, give time to the word, give time, give time. This goes beyond just, 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 just reading the Bible. It goes beyond reading the Bible. It goes into fellowshipping with the word in your mind, asking questions, engaging the word. It will change your life. I hope to hear testimonies from you soon about the impact 
that this LR, LRW work, uh, workshop has done for you. I hope to hear testimonies soon. Thank you for your time. Thank you for giving time to the word. And I pray that the time that you have invested in this workshop yield abundant harvest and produce for you. You know, Paul Paul said to the church in Thessalonians when he was commending them that they received his teaching not as the words of man, but as it were for truth, the words of God. And I hope you've received these teachings as what they are, the word of God. Thank you. God bless you.